Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Hello, everyone. I am Whitney Sewell, and this is the Real Estate Syndication Show. I am excited today uh, to be interviewing Jason Stubblefield. I've met Jason, and we, we've had lunch, and I was impressed by his uh, his ability to be able to work full-time, to be able to get in the syndication process uh, and, and land a deal recently, and we're going to get into the weeds on that and ask him how he did that. Uh, Jason Stubblefield is a multifamily investor from Tennessee. He's a Marine Corps veteran and University of Memphis uh, alumni. He works as a software developer in the Washington, D.C. area. He began his multifamily uh, journey in December of 2016 and owns two apartment complexes totaling 80, 80 units. Thanks for being on the show, Jason. Thank you, Whitney. Thanks for having me. And I enjoyed that lunch as well. So hopefully we can do it again when you're in the area. I hope so. I hope so. Um, Jason, would you just give us a little more background or a little more details about how you got into the syndication uh, process or business and, and why? Sure. So it didn't really happen um, by something that I planned out. So I had bought a 34 unit apartment building that I did with my own funds and that was needing a lot of renovation. So I had thrown all my capital into that deal. And as I sat there, once things started calming down a little bit, I um, I realized that I'm not doing much, right? The the contractors, they were going through renovating the units. I had the management in place. So I needed something to do. And I, my plan was to refinance that. And then I would take that money and roll it into another deal. But it was just taking too long. So I reached out and talked to some other people. And they were like, well, you can always syndicate a deal. That's not what I intentionally wanted to do, but I went that route. So I started looking at syndication, and then that's that's kind of how I got there. Wow. So so you already had, I mean, you were in the real estate business. You, you purchased a small complex. I mean, that alone is, uh, most people won't take that step, you know, to purchase that sm- uh, complex. Uh, but, but then you decided to get into the syndication business so you could keep rolling. And uh, I guess, tell us a little bit about this, this deal that you syndicated, how you found, tell us about how you found it first. Okay. So after I purchased the first deal, I got a virtual assistant and I had them send email blasts out. This is actually a really good tip for anybody looking to do this. Have them send email blasts out to every broker in your area on LoopNet. So they were just pumping out emails and I was getting responses and I got a lot of deals and some of them were crap. Some of them didn't work, but this one did. When I analyzed the numbers on it, I was like, okay, this is a deal that actually makes sense. And that's how I found it. Wow. So, so what, what would that email look like that they're sending out? Is that, is that from you or is that from your VA? Can you just give us a little bit of detail there? So if in case I, I want to try that, what do I need to do? Sure. It's really simple. I think LoopNet only gives you maybe 700 characters or something like that. I may be getting that completely wrong too, but it's quick, right? It's like, hey, my name is Jason Stubblefield. I recently closed on a 34 unit. I'm looking for more properties in your area. If you have anything, please let me know. And I would type that up and say to my virtual assistant, 
send this to everybody. And, you know, there's pages and pages of brokers. So they would just blast that out. Nice. So, so your virtual assistant sending that out, I guess a broker starts different brokers maybe, or numerous. What, what was the response like? How many contacted you? Uh, you know, how many uh, started sending you deals? What was the response? The response was actually pretty good. Some of them were like, you know, I'm retail. I don't do any multifamily. Some of them, like, I don't have any deals right now. Some of them were, hey, look at this thing that I've got in Wyoming. Uh, I don't know how LoopNet finds brokers or, or whatever they're doing, but some people were completely out of the geographic area that I wanted to be in. But I still was getting a response. So when those came, I would respond back, thank you, you know, look at any deals that they sent to me, and, and that's kind of how I got it going. Nice. So tell us, you know, how many deals were you looking at? You know, you finally found this one that that you eventually pursued. There was several. I didn't keep count of how many that I went through, but a lot of them, they wouldn't pass like the initial litmus test, right? I would go in, hey, this is not in my area. This is in a market that's too small. This is a deal that doesn't make sense. This is way overpriced. So a lot of those were just getting cast to the side. And then you would look at some like, okay, let's pursue this a little bit more. But honestly, when I look at a deal, it's probably, I'm coming up with reasons why I shouldn't do it. I'm coming up with reasons why it's not going to work. And when I got to this one, it was like, okay, this, this makes sense for me to continue to pursue it. Okay. So you, you found this deal. Okay. We're going to pursue it. Tell us, uh, you know, you picked a market. I think it's in Kentucky. Is that right? Yes, this was in Kentucky, very close to Fort Campbell. Great, great. Uh, tell us a little bit about the process of leading up to um, actually closing on that property. Um, so, obviously, you, you raised some capital. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So, um, you raised some capital, and then uh, uh, t- go through that process a little bit. I, I believe you had some difficulty there, and and uh, I would like for you to uh, just explain explain to us what you learned and and how uh, we can all improve uh, from your from what you learned. Okay, <clears throat> so with this raise, it was we needed the down payment, and then it was a value add deal, which is what I like to do. So. This one, we were looking about half a million dollars total raise. That was for the down payment and then going through renovating the units. This was a smaller deal. As I was doing that, there were several lessons that I learned along the way. One would probably be to start raising money earlier. How early? Really as soon. I would probably start. I mean, I'm looking to raise money right now and I don't have a deal yet. So if if you're looking to syndicate a deal, I would start looking for investors and trying to prime them for what you're looking to do right away. I waited until the deal was almost a sure thing. So we had a 30-day due diligence period to go through the property and do the physical inspection. I was also analyzing the financials of this deal just really to make sure that it's something that was going to happen. And then we got into the financing period of the contract. So the financing period kicked in after that 30 days. So the first 30 days that I had this deal under contract and I was doing due diligence, I wasn't raising any money. It was only until that 30th day or 31st day 
you know, after we got through that, that I started looking for investors and I had about 30 days to try to put the whole deal together. So that was stressful, very stressful. So I would tell anybody to try to look to raise money and have your investors ready to go sooner than what I did. As I was so, so tell me though a little bit about, you know, if I'm talking to investors and I don't have a deal yet, um, what, what are some things I should be talking about or to that investor? How, you know, how do I make them comfortable? Um, you know, even though I don't have a deal yet. They need to know you, know what you're looking at, know your business plan. A good way to do that is if you have some type of material put together, a PowerPoint, maybe a deal like I would use the deal that I've already done and kind of <clears throat> put that in front of future investors. Say, hey, if I get another deal, it's going to look something like that something like this, is that something that you would be comfortable with to invest in? If you don't have a deal or you haven't done a deal, then you could find somebody who has and look at their deal and kind of use that or come up with a sample deal or, or whatever. But you want to be talking to investors and letting them know this is the path I'm looking to take and see if they're on board with it. Great. All right. So, so go ahead. So the first thing is raise, start raising capital right away before you even have the deal. Right. Yes. All right. Go ahead. What was the next thing? So after after that, my next biggest obstacle was having an an investor who dropped out. So I started raising money. I mean, I had never raised money before. I don't think I've even as much as borrowed a hundred dollars from anybody and paid back. Right. I just grew up the only child. I didn't borrow money. You know, I just kind of took care of myself. So this was something that was foreign to me. And when I came out and started raising the money, right out the gate, I had an investor who was like, I'm in at 250000 So I'm doing a half a million dollar raise. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, this is going to be a piece of cake. And as time goes on, that investor dropped out. Now, you know, not to, nothing against the investor. I think it was just some miscommunication, but that was something that I was not prepared for. And I would say, if anybody's looking to raise money, you should be prepared that investors may, may drop out, especially if there are a large portion of your capital stack, right? I mean, if they're coming in at 250 or 500,000 or whatever it is, you know, you really got to know that that person is in there or you got to have a contingency plan if they back out. What might that plan look like now since you've been through this? What what should that plan look like going forward so we know we're prepared for that? Raise more. Look to have more commitments than are actually needed. That way if one investor does decide that it's not something that they want to pursue, you've got other people that you could put in in their place. And hopefully you can mitigate the amount of money that you've lost out of the deal, which you got to come up with. So, so you had the investor drop out. Obviously, that was well, half of the capital you needed to raise. Um, so I can imagine the stress level at that at that moment or when you got that call or email um, or can't imagine it probably. So what what was your steps then? You know, I appreciate how you didn't just um, just back out of the whole deal. You know, you uh, kept pushing forward and you found a way, obviously, to make it happen. And uh, can you kind of guide us through that a little bit? How, how did you make it happen after this guy, after this investor backed out? Oh, I was squirming. So I was very uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was sleepless nights. It was really just looking up at the ceiling sometimes thinking, 
you know, how am I going to make this work? What ended up happening is I was able to continue to raise money after we closed. So another thing that I didn't really mention before was this investor kind of backed out slowly. Okay. So it was like, I'm in at 250,000 and then it was like, no, I'm only in at a hundred thousand. And then a hundred thousand became nothing. And as this process, as you remember, I started raising money late. So I am supposed to close this deal within days. And it gets to the point where we're waiting on the investor to, to fund if he's going to fund or not to make a long story short, I bought some more time and then continued to raise money afterwards. So the way it worked was told the broker can't close right now. Sorry. Um, give me two, two weeks. Even that two weeks, I still wasn't able to replace all the money. So we closed the deal, right? With just me pulling together, you know, everything that I could to get this deal closed. And then after the deal was closed, continued to raise the money that we needed to do the repairs. Interesting. So, so you raised enough for the down payment, then you continued to raise um, for the uh, value add or the remodel uh, after you closed. Correct. So I guess, what was your process then when you would approach investors or how did you find the investors then? Was it already people you knew or, or, or was it uh, some way you networked or what did that look like? So it was part of networks that I belong to. So I started reaching out and getting in groups of people that were looking to do multifamily. So I picked up some investors from there. Some were from my personal network, but I didn't have a lot because I didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of people that I knew that were able to stroke checks. Right. So that, that was just my network. I didn't, I didn't really have a big network. So the way that I overcame that was partnering with people who did. So I found people who were better at raising money or already had a network of people that they were confident that they could raise money. And then we formed an alliance and then they were helped to raise money for the deal. And that kind of speaks to the importance of having a good deal because I was confident in the deal. I was confident in my, in my numbers. Like this is going to work. I just need to find the capital to make it work. And then once I related that to other people, it's like, okay, you know, they were on board and, and they helped with raising that additional capital. Are there any other, uh, I guess, difficulties that you went through or big times that, that, I mean, you learned a lot that really changed your business model or your approach going into the next deal. The biggest thing was, would probably be raising the money earlier. Um, I didn't do that at first, but, but now I'm looking to kind of build that up, gain some momentum. So I'm talking to investors. I have investors who are ready to, to partner with the deal with me. If I have something on the next one that I get, and that was the biggest learning experience before. I mean, I, I kind of knew that, but it wasn't anything that I was actively pursuing. I didn't have any systems or processes behind it. It was just like, I'm going to reach out and start raising money, you know, when I, when I try to close this thing out. And now I'm trying to be deliberate with that, making sure that I have conversations and talking to people early. You know, I just appreciate how you push through that. And really that difficulty caused you to grow. 
right? And now you were so much more prepared for the next deal than if you had just backed off and, and just quit. Uh, like I hear so many people do, it's like, oh, you know, investor backed out. I, I guess I'm going to miss this deal. We'll get the next one. But you didn't do that. And I, I really appreciate how you just pushed through and you made a way to make it happen. And now you are so much further ahead because of it. Absolutely. What are ways now that uh, you are improving your business and improving you know, just your syndication model? I'm trying to get my processes down. So as you mentioned earlier, right, I'm, I'm married. I got two little kids. I'm working a full-time job and managing the properties that I have as well as trying to find other deals. And with doing all that, it's not easy. I'm pressed for time. So I'm looking to get a machine, right, of, of trying to have everything as systemized as possible so that I'm able to continue to grow the business. What's what's the key in developing those processes? Because you, you are working full time, uh, like most of us, and in getting into this business or running a separate business, you know, after hours and trying to be with the family. That's a difficult balance. I know it's always been a difficult balance for me. And what are some ways you've you've, uh, I guess, helped your business to run more smoothly and be able to get all these tasks done uh, while also being able to spend time with family? Documentation and time blocking. So with trying to systematize the business, I'm really trying to have everything documented. So as we spoke, you know, look, looking at virtual assistance, but I want it to be dummy proof, right? So that I can hand them a document and it's just step by step, do this, do this, do this. And it's almost impossible to mess up. So that's what I'm doing. The time blocking aspect of it is I try to time block for my business and then I also try to time block for my family so that I make sure that I don't miss any of that because I think this would be somewhat foolish for me to go ahead and just devote to the business and then I'm losing valuable time with my with my kids. I'm losing time with my wife. I mean, that's what everything is really for. I mean, to have the business or be able to grow the business and not have the family there, what's the point? Mm-hmm. So I try to time block for both of those. Would you say... Uh- and I've wondered this myself because I've tried time blocking. Would you say you devote chunks of time on a daily basis to business and family? Or do you try to say, okay, I'm devoting this entire afternoon to uh, business, you know, things or duties that I need to get accomplished. And then I can take, you know, the next two afternoons to devote with family or, or what does that look like? I try to do it on a daily basis. Now that doesn't happen all the time, but daily I try to block for business and then daily I try to block for family. So usually my kids would come home from from school and you know that first two hours when they're here, I try to devote that to them and then do anything else business related after they go to bed. Wow. Well, Jason, unfortunately we're we're out of time and I really appreciate how you have laid out many details about the importance of raising capital. And, and time blocking, especially also uh, laying out time for the family, which is extremely important, and, and but still being able to get all the tasks done for starting a business while working full time. Thank you so much for being on the show. And tell us, uh, tell our guests how people can get a hold of you. The best way is either to email or call me. Um, my email address is SNS, so that's like Sam, Nancy, Sam, capital partners at gmail.com. And my phone number is 571-409-1525. Great. 
thank you so much, Jason. I hope everyone will subscribe and leave some feedback, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Whitney, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.